Amen. How many of you, uh, how many of you enjoy the Christmas lights? May I see your hand? It's wonderful. How many, how many of you put up lights? Uh, how many of you put up lights, these sections here, on the outside of your house? May I see your hand? It's good. A good uh, plethora there of people. How many here put on outside? How many of you guys put up Christmas lights? Good. All right. See, here's what I know. You think I can't see you back there in the back, so you just sit there and you don't do anything. <laughs> but I can see you. I'm going to give you one more hope. How many of you put up Christmas lights? May I see your hand back there? Yep, that's good. Thank you, sir, for moving your arms. That's great. How many over here in these sections you put up lights? good. How about up in the balcony over here? Put up lights up there. How many of y'all put up lights? Good. Outside. How, how about over here? It's good. All right. How many like taking them down? It's good. How many of you like taking them down? Listen, I know some quirky people. I mean, some people leave them up all year long. It's unbelievable. They really do. How many, how many up there like taking them down? You know, I, I don't, uh, Sharon puts up our tree. I get the tree up, get it reasonably straight. And, uh, but she does all the decorating and putting the lights and all that stuff on. Um, and if I did it, she, she'd go back and redo it again. I promise you. Um, and, uh, on the outside, we put up a little bit of lights, not a whole lot. We have that little uh, manger scene, white manger scene with a star put it up. And we used to put the reindeer. I try to hide those things every year. Hopefully she'll forget about them. So I have to put them out again and uh, put them in a box and thank God let them rot. But still, because I mean, you put them up, you got, I mean, they stick you and you got to figure it all out. Not again. You know, I've always wanted though, she has these palms outside and she puts lights on that. And I've, I've always wanted to just take the tree, let me do it and take the lights and go like this and go like you lasso and a cow and say, because you know what? That's what some people's decorations on the outside looks like. Either a drunk or a blind person put them up. <laughs> do you know that? That's the truth. It's just like throw them anywhere. No rhyme or no reason. And uh, we saw, saw a place the other night my gracious, they have a huge budget putting lights up, and it really uh, just, I mean, everything under the sun. I mean, just crazy stuff. Um, I, I enjoy the lights, and I, I enjoy them when they get up because we drive from time to time uh, uh, late in the evening and watch and say, well, we drove our neighborhood the other day and thought, well, not many people, and then we went back. Uh, about five days later, and there are more lights up because I, I'm one of those that think if you love Jesus, you got some kind of a light somewhere. That's just me. Now, I'm not judgmental in any way, shape, or form. It's just you don't love God if you don't have them up. I just. <laughs> but a lot of people do. I, I like uh, the programs, the various Christmas programs. How about you? Uh, one of the movies that we have to watch every year is is White Christmas. That's a must in our house. And we've got that one under our belt. Uh, we watched it the other night. And uh, Sharon said, you didn't watch it, you went to sleep. <laughs> Listen, if you've seen the crazy movie for 30 years, 
You know, it's like you know every single part of it that goes, you know when they're going to dance. And there's a whole lot of singing and a whole lot of dancing, but it's White Christmas. And then Miracle on 34th Street. I mean, like that movie. How many have another favorite movie other than that? Polar Express, that's good. Well, God bless you. Hope you get to see it. I like the food and the goodies. People bring, bring, us, uh, bring me, bring Sharon, and all kind of this morning. Somebody bought what, some stuff that, well, anyway, it's, it's, it's really good. I mean, it really is. <laughs> Somebody else brought us some white trash. I thought, I don't know what the indication is for that, but they call it white trash in a jar. So I said, well, I think I'll go get a little trash here, but uh, all that kind of stuff. And then uh, just, just I, I like all of that. And you say, well, I know you look like you like it. Well, I don't really know. <laughs> Fooey on you. I like, I like the white Christmas blend of coffee at Dunkin' Donuts. I do because it, 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 really is, it really is good. But as it relates to people who listen to Christmas music, how many like Christmas music? How many like Hallmark movies? <laughs> Lord, help us. Mm. You know, they can shorten that movie by, by an hour and 55 minutes and just get the kiss out of the way at the beginning. <laughs> but some people like, like the lights, individuals that, and I'll ask you this, how many of you are, are in this group? And there are only two groups. You begin listening to Christmas music at about Thanksgiving and you finish up at about Christmas, somewhere around there. That's good. That, that's the first group. Here's the other group. They begin listening to Christmas music as soon as the decorations go up at Cracker Barrel, and that's about July the 15th. <laughs> that's a fact. Y'all, you know what I'm talking about. And I like the songs. I really do. You know, it's beginning, it's beginning to look, it's beginning to look a lot like Christmas everywhere you go. That's all I know. That's all I know. I'll be home for Christmas. You can count on me. Please have snow and mistletoe and presents under the tree. That's all I know. <laughs> That's all I know. Root up the red nose, right? You know I love that one. But you know in the top 20, in the top 20, this song was in the top 20. Grandma got ran over by reindeer. That's in the top 20. We have a warped culture and society. No respect for grandparents anymore. She got ran over by, that's what it says, by a reindeer. But the one that we sang a few minutes ago that you joined in, and I've watched you, was, uh, of course, written in 1818, composed by an individual named Franz Gruber. The lyrics written by Father Joseph Moore, composed in Austria, and it's a song that's been the foundation of the Christmas story. Silent night, holy night. Oh. Okay, that's good. Thank you. <laughs> it's been there. Now, silent night kind of gives up. It's enough, I said, please. It gives you the image of uh, 
silent, silent night. What does that mean? Between Malachi, that's the last book in the Old Testament, and the beginning of the New Testament, and the first book in the New Testament is, thank you, the Gospel of Matthew. Between Malachi and between Matthew, there were 400 years of silence. There were no prophetic utterances. There was nothing written as it relates to Scripture. It was dead silent. It's almost as if God said, okay, I've had enough. And he walked off the scene and said, I'm not coming back to some time later. Maybe when I'm in a better mood. But the Christmas story starts. And when that happens, there are two important questions that we're going to answer in this message today. There have been times in our own lives that I know that it appears God's been silent. It's like we pray and pray and God's not answering prayer. And guess what? Answering prayer for somebody else, but not us. Periods of times when there's that silence that you can't feel God, you can't anticipate anything. And, and what happens, here's what happens when you get into that season you think, well, I think I'll just be a little disobedient or I will become cold. God's not working for me. Or you stray away and you try to take control of your own life and say, well, I manage these since you're not answering my prayer. Since I can't fill you, my prayers are off the ceiling or it's one thing after another that's taking place. I'll just take control. Then there are those times, of course, of individuals who say, hey, not me. I, I know this. I know I'm going to lean into God during these times when I can't feel him, when he's not answering. I'm just going to get closer to God. When those moments are silent, here's a couple of questions. What is God doing in the silence? 400 years. What was he doing? What was he doing? What is he doing in that time in your life when things seem to be silent? You can't seem to get a run of successful financial ability to save your life. It seemed like we have three good months, and then before you know it, my, I'm stretching my paychecks again. But what is God doing during that silence? Here's the other question. Well, what do we do in the silence? How do we respond to God? Listen carefully. You might want to write this down. Here it is. Never confuse God's silence with his actions. Never confuse God's silence with his actions. When God is silent, I promise you, don't take control of your life. And if we're not careful, when we take control of our life and we begin to do things that we say, I'm in control, God is not right now. Can I tell you, sometimes that is your greatest moment of regret and the Bible is filled with examples of individuals when it appeared that God was distant or silent, that they took matters into their own hands, and the Scripture bears witness that it was their greatest moment of regret. I should have stayed close to God. I should have borne out the sweet testimony. The Christmas story, friend, is not some sweet little sentimental story that that we look at and say, oh, he was in a cradle, et cetera. The Christmas story gives us the story of what Christmas is all about. And his story and his birth broke the barrier of the silence. And here it is, Matthew 1, 23. After 400 years of silence, Matthew speaks up and writes something 
monumental. The virgin will be with child and will give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. 400 years we haven't heard from you. And all of a sudden, God with us. If you move back now to 400 years prior to that moment, and you have Malachi, the first chapter, and the second verse, here's what Malachi wrote. And then after four chapters, he lays the pen down. He says, here's what it says, I have loved you, says the Lord. It's a wonderful thing because it's not past tense. It's not present tense. It's not restrictive. Here's what he says, I have loved you, I love you, and I will love you. In other words, when you study that very carefully, you remember that though there is silence, he says, I have loved you and I love you. And no matter what you face in the silent time of your life, in your family, I will love you. No matter how many times you feel like I am distant from you, please know that my presence is with you. And when your life does not make sense and you feel like you are shaken to the core, remember this, I have loved you, I love you, and I will love you no matter what. Those are The three events, three things that happened during the 400 years of silence. So Malachi ends. He finishes up, puts the pen down. Nothing happens for 400 years until the New Testament. What went on during that period of time? You might remember in the Old Testament, we find that there was a shift in world power, the Babylonian power was in charge. And then the end of the Babylonian empire, the Persian empire came on the scene. And then you may remember around 360 BC, a leader called Philip of Macedon rose up in the arena of Greece. Philip of Macedon unified a portion of Greece and had a son. And that son's name was Alexander the Great. Wow. Historians say that there was not another person with more great strategic mindset and military leader like Alexander the Great. He stood face to face to the Persian Empire, took them down. He created great military military success and took many conquests that were unprecedented in history. And then at 33 years of age, he died. He expanded his kingdom. And right before he died, this is what he said. I am depressed because there are no more worlds to conquer. Conquering in Africa, India. And then he died. After that period of time, there were, as historians tell us, that in the world known then from the ends of the earth, there were 70 million people. His desire was simple. I've done pretty well. I've taken down the Babylonian. I've taken down the Persian. And I've established Greece. And here's what I want. These people in Africa cannot communicate with those in Greece. They can't communicate with others. The Jews can't. Here's what I'm going to do. I want a common language. You can keep your mother language. But we're going to be sure that there is a common language that everybody knows and everybody learns. And it was called Koine 
coined Greek. And that was the language. It was a big deal. You might think, what's a big deal as it relates to God? To create one common language. And you can trace that language, if you follow it carefully, all the way back to Alexander the Great. Well, that's unbelievable. Though it may appear that God was solid, and the Scriptures say that God leverages kings, and God leverages kingdoms, and God leverages rulers in the world to accomplish His purpose. Little did Alexandria the Great, when he recommend and then enforce, there's going to be one language, Cohen Greece, and here's what he did. What he did not know, he was doing exactly what God desired to take place. God was silent, but he still had influence on Alexandria the Great. Why is that happen? Why did it happen? The Roman military was so strong and so great, they created what's called as Pax Romania or Romania. Pax Romania. What that meant is Roman peace. They were so powerful and they had such a reputation that those that had been conquered actually decided we're going to be at peace with this empire. We're going to be at peace with the Roman government, which meant you could come and go as you please and not worry about border. It also meant that he said we're going to have great transportation systems. And so it is going from point A to point B was cleared away so that commerce could take place and so that people could go from one community, one city, one town to another without fear because there was peace. And then there was the development of the common language. So wherever you went, you're able to go without fear. You were able to go and speak a common language. So in the 400 years that God was silent, God was preparing, as you'll see in a minute, He was preparing for the scene to take place in Matthew's Gospel. It's kind of like you've ever been to a Broadway production or any production of a play and there's usually several acts, and so you come in, and, and everything is prepared. The stage curtain goes up. That's act one. Act number one ends. It may last for 30, 45 minutes, maybe an hour. Then the curtain goes down, and you have an intermission, and you get up, get you some popcorn, and the curtain is down, and you say, okay, in about 15 or 20 minutes, the curtain will rise again, and act two will take place. But you think, well, I don't know what's going on behind the curtain, but I can tell you, What's going on behind the curtain? And you'll see when the curtain raises is they're changing the sets. They're moving chairs. They're moving tables. They're moving the backdrop. They're moving around everything in order to accommodate act number two. And when the curtain rises, you just thought, wow, that, that's a totally different look. Why? Because you're eating popcorn and, and you're just interacting with fellowship. But behind that curtain, a lot is taking place. And in that period of time, that that 400 years of silence, this is what God, God is doing. Though he's silent, and though nothing is written, behind the curtain of silence, God is influencing powers and rulers. And then, at the end of the 400 years, the curtain comes up, and Matthew says, well, and unto you, born this day in the city of David to a virgin, is a son, and his name will be Emmanuel. 
meaning God with us. A whole different set. And it was amazing because in the book of Acts, they reflect on that transition and the message of Jesus goes to the ends of the earth. In the book of Acts, before that period of time, it was, it was logistically impossible for the gospel to be able to travel distance. It was logistically impossible to speak all the languages and the dialects. It was logistically impossible for individuals to get the message out. But, but when that one common language was created, the apostle Paul said in his writings these words, he says, but when the set time has fully come. At the end of the Old Testament, no way for this gospel to go to the ends of the earth and in the known world then. No way for the languages to be bridged. No way for that message to be accomplished without fear of being assassinated, killed, or murdered. But when that 400 years was over, Paul says, but when the set time has come and when Jesus is born, here is the Christ child and he teaches. He is the Son of God. And then what happened when those disciples and those apostles received the message? They could go to the known world and declare Jesus saves without fear, without retribution, without anyone getting in the way. You see, there may be times in your life <coughs> when you feel like, I'm giving up, I'm quitting. And you come into the season, do you remember psychologist's office are more busy ever than now? More suicides are accomplished or endeavored to, to act on suicide during the holiday season as we know it now. It seems like the devil raises his ugly head up. But can I tell you something? That there is hope that was born in the Christ child of Jesus Christ and may I tell you something, the culture out there may attack us in every way possible, but can I tell you this gospel shall be preached to the ends of the earth according to the Word of God. God's Word will prevail. Come on, put your hands together. And what do we do in the silence? How do we manage our life when no one's answering when we've stretched everything we can stretch and still it doesn't appear we can get the ends tied. What is it when you feel like, wow, I just have one knock after another? What's it feel like when you're told you're going to have, you have a dreaded disease? What's it feel like, I don't love you anymore, see you later? What's it feel like when you're working and doing your best and you can't seem not only just to get ahead, just to survive. What do you do when, like the Brimson family, 59-year-old father leaving behind five children, four still at home, the other in first year of college, and you worked all your life and the medical bills are so insurmountable one after another, you dread for the mail to come. And then what little bit of income did come it was already spent at the doctor's. What do you do with that? How do you manage that? God, two things. You either take control, you either ball your fist up, you either just silently drift away, 
Where you been? Ah, no, I'm just don't feel like going anymore. I don't see you in church. Well, I know. Just having problems. Drift away. Or here's what else. You come to the realization, God, I may not be able to hear you right now. I may not be able to see you. I may not be able to feel you. It may feel like that the power of the enemy is closing in on me. But here's what I know. I'm not giving up. I'm not quitting. I'm not pushing back. I'm not retreating. I'm pressing in because I know you are there. I know you love me. I know you will always love me. I know you said you would be with me until the end, and I know that you are working in my behalf, and sooner than later, the curtain of the second act of my life is going to rise, and there's going to be a different scene, and I'm going to enjoy and rejoice in you. It's no longer long wonder that we sing joy to the world. It's no wonder that we sing all the songs of Christmas and celebrate, and we put our lights up and we do all those kind of things. You know what we're doing? We're declaring to the world, you may think you've snuffed the light out, but the light still shines for the glory and the honor of God. He is not silent. He is alive and well on planet earth. Would you stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you today for what you mean to us. I thank you because I can think of so many people right now that they're going through a tough, tough, tough time. I think of Wayne and Debbie Elliott today and making a decision to potentially take the life support system off Brother Elliott. And God, it's hard for God to just speak and say, Wayne, that's what you need to do. Sometimes we have to walk through life just whispering a prayer and say, God, I'm going to do what I believe I need to do, but if it's not your will, don't please don't let that happen. Or what it's like for a mom who awakened this morning and her husband last week, at least though sick, was alive. But today looks and it's nine days away from Christmas. And God, why didn't you heal him? We've been loyal and faithful to the church. Why didn't you heal him? And God, for some in this room now, and said, well, I've given, I've given the Salvation Army. But man, right now, my paycheck wasn't what I thought it would be. So it's going to really be slim. And what do you do? What do you do when circumstances that you didn't count on? We feel like, God, all I have is tears. Tears just flood me. All I have is a shaken confidence. All I have is seemingly no hope. Hallelujah. And then you remember, his name is Jesus. And his hand is not short. And his ear is not heavy. And his love is incomprehensible. And he has the ability to meet every single need. So today, we trust you. So the answer to the darkness was a baby born. The answer to the lostness of world was a baby was born. The answer to my eternal place in heaven was a baby was born. And his name is Emmanuel, 
God with us. His name is Jesus, Redeemer and Savior. And so we celebrate that today and declare our victory that can be found in the Lord. So while our heads are bowed for a moment, our altar workers will just wait to the end of the service. But I, I want us to pray this prayer of repentance, all of us. Maybe you've never really received Jesus. Maybe, maybe you have, but you've wondered a little bit. But today is a day that you can say all is well in my soul because I have prayed this prayer. Let's pray it together. Repeat it after me, dear Jesus. Dear Jesus. Thank you for being born. Thank you for being born. Thank you for sacrificing your life. Thank you for sacrificing your life. Thank you for helping me. Thank you for helping me. I repent of my sins. I repent of my sins. And I believe by faith. I believe by faith. Because of your love for me. Because of your love for me. I am forgiven. I am forgiven. I don't have anything to bring you. I don't have anything to bring you. Except my heart. Except my heart. The pieces of my life. The pieces of my life. They've been shred down the path. Down the path of, disobedience. of disobedience. But today, would you reach down today, you reach and bring those pieces together and, bring those pieces and make, me whole again. make me whole again? And I give you the honor and glory as I confess my sins. As I, confess my I declare you are my Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Would you put your hands together? Let's, let's thank God. Amen. Amen. You might be seated. Dan is going to come. Stay with us, please. Dan is going to come and introduce one of the board members. But at the end, you altar workers. I'm going to ask you to, to come down. And anyone that would like to come and be prayed for at the end of the service, you come on down and we'll receive you. Okay, Dan? Thank you. Uh, every year at this time... Uh, just before Christmas, we take an opportunity to receive a special Christmas love offering for our pastor and his family, just as an expression of our love and appreciation for their leading us all year long and what a wonderful job they do. And it's always a joy to have one of our board members come and share for just a moment from a whole different perspective um, from our leadership team. And so this morning, we'd like to welcome Tom Rutherford uh, from our board. Would you give Tom a great round of applause? Thank you, Tom. Thank you. Good morning. Well, I'm pleased to uh, represent the board in inviting you to join us in this year-end appreciation offering for the Blackburns. You know, I think we have one of the greatest churches in the whole world. I'm very thankful to be able to be a member here. And I think one of the reasons is for the great leadership we have in the Blackburns. And I really appreciate the, uh, the messages of Pastor Blackburn the uh, powerful, dynamic, inspirational messages that we receive regularly. And I think they're always designed to speak practically with great application to each of our lives. And he always delivers them with charm and with humor and with wit. I think we can attribute the, the charm to Sharon, though. They're a great couple, a wonderful couple, and we're very blessed to have them here with us at Victory. So won't you join with me in this Christmas love offering for the Blackburns and uh, tell them how much we love them. Thank you. Thank you, Tom. 
I'd like to invite our ushers to come down to receive a special offering. Uh, thank you uh, for giving. You can just write on your offering envelope or your check, um, Blackburn Christmas, and we'll be sure that it gets to them. Thank you for your love for our, our pastor and his wife. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as our ushers come down. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for our pastor, for his wife and their wonderful family. God, we pray your blessing on them during this Christmas season. Lord, all year long, you pour into their lives. You give them wisdom and guidance, and you, you, you just breathe fresh messages into their hearts so they can deliver them every single Sunday. And God, we thank you for that. God, we ask you to keep your hand upon them, keep them strong and healthy, refresh them during this Christmas season. As we lead into a brand new year, God, give fresh vision and ideas and ways to reach our community for Jesus. And Lord, we thank you for it. We thank you for the privilege of giving in love to our pastor in Christ's name. And everybody said... Amen. God bless you as you give. Continue to worship with us. We'll come back for a benediction in a moment. Would you stand with me? Two things. First of all, we're going to invite our altar workers to come down. If you'd like special prayer in your life, maybe you've given your heart to Christ this morning, you'd like somebody to pray with you about that, that's the most important thing you can do during this Christmas season. Maybe you're walking through something in your life and you just need somebody to agree with you for your healing, for your business, for your family, for your finances. Our altar workers are here just for that, and it would be their great joy to pray with you this morning. Also, you see all of these beautiful uh, poinsettias down here in the green foil. They were all donated to the church for this morning for you to take with you to give away. It's not for you to put in your house or anything. It's for you to take and give to a neighbor or a friend or somebody, just wishing them a Merry Christmas, maybe invite them to church. But it's a poinsettia Christmas outreach. So feel free at the end of the service to come down and take one that's in the green aluminum foil. If you take the gold ones over there, they're artificial. Don't do that. 
All right. We hope you'll come back and join us again at 5 o'clock uh, tonight uh, for Christmas Town. It's going to be a great time of fellowship and a lot of fun getting to meet some new folks. And tr- that's important for a church, too. So we hope you'll be part of that as well. Well, let's pray a final prayer here. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing love and grace, especially during this Christmas season. God, that you loved us so much that you sent your son Jesus in the form of a baby to save our sins, to change our life. God, we are so grateful for that. But Lord, we don't want to hold this just to ourselves during this Christmas season. Lord, we want to be a light to the world. God, everybody you put in our path, every open door, every opportunity, help us to be bold during this Christmas season, to not only wish people a Merry Christmas, but to share Jesus at any drop of a hat, at any open door, God. Just let us share the love of Christ with kind acts, with kind words, and be there for people at work, at the cashier, wherever we go, God, give us a chance to share the love of Jesus. Because God, you're not willing that any should perish, but everybody should come to a saving knowledge of Jesus. Embolden us, impress that upon us, and give us the great joy of sharing your love with somebody this season. God, we ask you to bring us back safely tonight. Bless this congregation in a great way. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. God bless you, everybody. The altars are open.